Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Two Indie Authors Podcast with me, Robert Enright. And me, David B. Lyons. Today, Robert and I will be discussing the old debate of writing in series versus writing standalone novels. We also have an interesting mailbag question to tackle that has been sent in by one of you fine folk about audiobooks. And later Uh in the show, and Rob, I'm really excited about this guest we will be joined by comedy author Queeve MacDonald to extract his answers to the by now famous or infamous seven <laughs> questions. Uh, however, my friend, we should begin, as we always do, by discussing the week that was. So how have the last seven days been for you, Rob, since we last podcasted? Uh, it's been really good. A um, couple of highlights in the old personal life. Um, yeah. Yeah, I went to see the Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast. So I think I've mentioned it on the show before. Ah, that's right. They were in London this week. Yeah, and they were also in Dublin. That's right. They were in Dublin as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So uh, I'm a massive fan of the show, a massive fan of the creators of the show. And yeah, they 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 have a wonderful podcast and uh, that I listened to, and they had a live show of it. And I went to it, and it was very inspiring and it was just uh-huh. it was hilariously funny yeah. but it was also like really inspiring just to see three people who work as hard as they do yeah to get what they to get where they've got to so it's rob McElhenney, uh, charlie day and who's the other one uh glenn howerton okay and the three of them create that show together uh yeah so two of uh so rob McElhenney created it um and then the three of them write it together and then the woman uh-huh. who hosts the podcast she joined like in season 10 or whatever as a writer for the show so the, ah. the woman who runs it is a comedy writer um and it was just it was just excellent it was really good fun so that was great um obviously their podcast isn't as good as ours no um and then i've been having loads of work done in the house which you know about which is why yeah. uh, my, I, I i've got a different background today i'm squirreled away in the front room <laughs> um but that should be uh, the noise should now be subsiding, which is good. Uh, but writing wise, I turned my website into a store. I think I've mentioned that on the. Have I mentioned that on the pod? I think we briefly so brushed on it last week. You were just setting it up. Yes. Yeah. So, so I, I did that. I got my first my first signed copy order. Yes. Came through, which was nice. Nice. So now, um, yeah, my my website is now set up to fulfill signed copy orders, which is a uh, which is nice. So hopefully, you see how that goes. Great. And I've done all my edits and all my proofing for Sam Pope 11. So that is already with the advanced reader team and it comes out next Friday. Oh, so a nice brilliant. blank holiday release I have. So, um, yeah, it's been a good week. Yes. Busy week. How about you? How are you doing? Good. Very good. Well, I um, had my redrafting finished for this is the novella that I'm releasing uh, in early May. So that's off with the editors at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of opening opening up uh, Scrivener documents <laughs> to look at a manuscript, I spent an awful lot of this time uh, this week looking into networking as authors and 
festivals okay. and stuff like that because again inspired by a guest that we had on the show uh, we had jane on last week who was incredible at you know explaining to us about how she talks at festivals and how she networks with other authors and mm. publishers and everybody involved in this publishing game so uh, I, I had a look into it this week and and i'm excited about I've booked into a festival and I'm looking to book into more, not as a speaker or anything, just just as a guest, just to, to walk around and meet other to indie loiter. authors. To loiter, yes. <laughs> um, so that's what I'm going to do, uh, focus on a little bit this summer. Just more for research and and just just to get out of the house, really, to be honest with you. <laughs> 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 to have a friend. That's what I'm looking for Aww. this summer, to make a friend. You have me. I have you, yes, yes. Um, we, Robert, have, we meant to meet in March, and now we're at the end of mm-hmm. April, and we still haven't. Uh, mostly my fault, because we had illnesses in this house, and things get in the way. But we, we, we're meeting up, hopefully, early May, when we both come back from holiday, and we um plan in that meeting to to discuss how we can grow this podcast, right? How we can network yeah. out and branch out further to, to more indie artists to, to to help them to pay back, which is, I guess, the reason we set the podcast up in the first place. Well, actually, that's a perfect segue, David, that I wanted to just do a quick shout out. I'm going to shill here to our listeners mm-hmm. um, because I had a look the other day and we're starting to get some reviews and ratings on I, on the Apple Store oh. and on Spotify, but I can't see... You can't see it on Spotify until there's a certain number. But ah. I would love our listeners, if they could, to, on whatever platform that they're listening on, to just pop a little rating, give us a nice five-star rating and get us to shoot up some charts a bit more. Oh, yes, please. I haven't even done that. I haven't rated the show. I'm going to do that. As soon as I hang up this mic, uh, I'm going to rate the show. So, listeners, if you can do the same when you're finished, we'd really appreciate it. Two So today's talking point, Robert, is mm. it's an old adage when it comes to this publishing game, but it's standalones versus series. Now, that probably doesn't need any explanation, but I'll give a, a quick 10-second <laughs> explanation. Standalones, you're writing a standalone story that begins and ends within that one story. Series is, of course... Um, where you are continuing on a story uh, through multiple books. Uh, so mm. very simple. And do you know what, Rob? I was thinking about this as we were prepping for this show and this particular talking point, that, um, you know, last week you were talking about uh, somebody copying you. Somebody had copied your ads. And mm-hmm. um, we've had other guests on who have who have had uh, designs that there's not necessarily plagiarized, but heavily copied. And... We, we, we want to say to our listeners here that, that that's just not the way to go. It's just not very cool to be copying. It's cool to be inspired by, of course, but not mm. necessarily to copy. And the thing about it is, this is why you shouldn't copy, is that there is no strict formula. This is an art form, right? So nobody should be doing it the same way. That doesn't work. So Rob and I often mention that th- there's no need to copy anybody else's work. We say that often on this uh, podcast that everybody should take their own approach that they think will work for them and their books. So mm-hmm. here's an interesting aspect that proves that even Rob and I don't necessarily agree, or we differ on how we approach um, our manuscripts and our books and our our overall um, 
professional approach to what we're doing. So Rob writes in series, I write in standalones, and yet the two of us have been equally successful at this independent auto game. So it just goes to show that there are multiple avenues that we can all travel down and there's no right or wrong when it comes to producing art and i know that sounds fucking pretentious that i'm saying we are artists but we are we're creating novels (laughs) we're writing novels it's one of the oldest art forms um uh, in the history of mankind so there are no rules when it comes to art it's all about producing what works for you and your creative mindset so it might suit you to write in series it might suit you to write in standalones it's up to you to make that decision. It just so happens that the two in the orders have made different decisions on that. And we now have, what, about 20 minutes or 25 minutes to talk about the decisions we made and what the difference may be for writing in standalones versus series. Oh, what an intro. <laughs> <laughs> what an intro to the segment. <laughs> I'll play the hook, shall I? <laughs> no, um, just saying it. But it's right though, isn't it? I think, there's no you shouldn't be there's no formula. No, no, there isn't. You succinctly yeah. put that. You you really you you said that so well, especially and you go know, tend to tend to you do tend to forget that, you know, at the base level of it all, it is an art form. Um, yeah. And it requires a you know varying levels of creativity, um, depending yeah. on what, what it is that you're writing. Um, so I think the point you made there is brilliant. That you know we've both got to this point, going yeah. down different paths, and also different genres. I mean, they they probably yeah. orbit the same, the same sort of spheres in Amazon. Yeah, maybe they're, they're on the same planet, but they're living in different countries. Maybe yes, yes, that's a really good way of putting it. So it, so it does go to show that there isn't. There's a strict way, and we will never tell you what way you should do it. Yeah, we will only ever tell you the ways we do things. Exactly. That's that's all we can ever do is is draw on our own experiences. And luckily, for you listeners, you've got someone who's made a career writing a series, yeah. and writing a, a career, and made a career writing standalones. So hopefully, we can we we can talk about this with a, a degree of knowledge. Um, so I guess David, the the first thing before we dive into the two you know, standalones or series is to figure out what, why did you, why have you gone down the, the chosen path of writing standalones? Well, that's interesting because I didn't really know the standalone mm. V series debate when I conceived, when I decided I was writing standalones, I wasn't really that hyper aware of the two avenues that we could travel down. And um, mm. so, but the reason I chose standalones, not necessarily that I chose standalones, it was just that my ideas for my books come to me as an ending Normally, yeah it's so much we've said this yeah yeah the idea for a book will always and um, pop into my head and i think oh that's a cool way to end the novel right so that's the point i'm trying to make with this novel so so my books tend to have a full stop at the end of them if that makes mm. sense um, the, the story seems to be complete the arc is complete so that's really how i conceive the ideas so it makes sense that each book is a standalone story uh my yeah it's uh, basically my initial conception of a, any story is how can i leave my readers feeling at the end mm. so my stories more often than not um are conceived in a standalone story so the arc is complete and it's full so i don't want to give any of my endings away but my endings can very often be the oh that's what this book was about moment it sort of all makes sense in the last chapter so that's how i naturally conceive that's the art mm. within me that's the artist within me that's how he conceives 
sort of story ideas. So they, they were all standalone stories. But what I have done is I've linked them in trilogies so I can sell in yeah. box sets. We can go into that like more a theme detail. you have, don't you? You have like a theme around yours. Yeah, I link by theme rather than, mm. say, series where the, the same protagonist is, mm. is turning up in stories. So my first books are three books are called the TikTok trilogy. They don't have the same characters in the three separate stories, but they're all set in real time. So it takes five hours to read a novel, five or six hours to read a novel. These books are all set in five or six hours. So you, they're happening in real time. So they're linked with that narrative style and they're called a TikTok trilogy because every second is ticking away. Not the same, mm. different stories, but they have a theme. My next three books are all set in, in courtrooms. Three separate stories, but all in courtrooms. So there I have a trial trilogy, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So um, although I conceive my ideas in standalone, I have learned truly in the author community that, well, if, if you can link them into box sets, you could be onto a winner there. So I didn't know about standalone V-series when I started conceiving my ideas for books, but they did happen to be conceived in standalones, which is why I write standalones. But did you come at it, Rob, when you were conceiving Sam Pope, although I know he wasn't your first uh, protagonist to conceive, but were you aware of standalone V-series as an option? Yeah, I think I was, because my first book, uh, One by One, is a standalone. Right, yes. Uh, it has a very definite ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when, obviously when I was going through you know, a couple of different publishers and you know, I was very wet behind the ears. I didn't know, you yeah. know, I didn't know about mailing lists. I didn't, things like mailing lists or Facebook ads, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. And I think, um, so I did, I did a standalone and then I went into the Bermuda series and I knew that was going to be a series. Right. Yeah. In my head. I was like, this, there's a, it's like a whole nother world. There's a whole agency. There's limitless things I could do with it. So, um, and I, I drew up like three or four ideas. I was like, oh, okay, these would make good books. Great. Um, but then obviously all the stuff happened with my publishers and, and I was like, right, I'm going to take this seriously as an indie author. I, I felt in my head like i need to get into something probably if i want to do this as a living i need to write something probably more accessible to more people Mm -hmm. so i made that as a conscious decision luckily i'm a massive action thriller fan like i read you know jack reacher yeah um vince flynn um all those books but then actually my major reading thing when i was younger because i'm a massive nerd was comics like i read like graphic novels and my favorite one was the punisher mm-hmm. which obviously been yeah it's quite mainstream now it's been tv series but that was always about a guy you know with no superpowers just ripping through criminals yeah. but then there was always different storylines for it yes so the idea of reading a character through multiple series was something i've just done as a reader it's been my preference brilliant but that- mainly that says so a that lot. fed into it, yeah. Yeah. So, so that was why I was like, okay, cool. Well, what I can do is I can, I can basically build an arc for a character across. I had four books planned for the arc of Sam Pope to begin with. Oh. I already knew there was a, there was a, there was a, a linking story through all of them, and then after that it was kind of whatever. But yeah, that was why I chose it. I was, I was like, okay, well, I can, I could take a character who starts as, you know, a, a broken man who discovers purpose by fighting back against criminals and along the way he starts the 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 thing that appealed to me most was i introduced a character who you know still in it 
nine books in and becomes a favorite of readers like that type of thing did appeal to me as well so um that was why i went down the path of writing a series that's really interesting because you consume series you read jack hmm. reacher you what you, you read these comic books you watch tv series that have multiple episodes and multiple series whereas mm-hmm. i i tend to read standalones i read a lot of say Gillian flynn or jodie colt or chad culture uh-huh. all books that have full stops at the end of them and i prefer that as well when it comes to um television so you are writing what you consume and i am yeah. writing what i consume and that might be a, a tip for any listener out there who is uh, undergoing this dilemma of what way should i take my career really you should be enjoying the books you write uh, you should be yeah. a fan of them before anybody else is a fan of them and that might help you uh now might uh, might twig something in 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 your mindset as you're uh, debating this dilemma so, david yeah um seeing how you're the standalone expert amongst the two of us mm-hmm. what would you say i i have a vague idea um but what would you say are the pros and cons of writing a standalone a standalone but what i really like about it is that you're conceiving something new every three or four months you know once you've written uh-huh. a novel you, you your mind goes into a new uh, world so i like that creative aspect of it though i can totally see the attraction of being creative creating um a world and then continuing that world and continuing well, that character yeah, like you do but don't get me wrong i'm aching to write something different at the moment oh are you now to 10 books into sam yeah yeah i can understand that's why that. i want to go back to bermuda because i just want to write something maybe want... with a different different pace that... so there is that so, yeah, that's a con maybe we'll get onto that yeah we can get on, we'll get on to that but um sorry you asked me for pros of writing um standalones yes yeah, so that thing of you're in a new mind and you're creating a new world every four or five months whatever it is it takes you to write a novel and um, one of the big pros now there are definitely cons and pros to both and we're going to discuss that now rob and i but one of the big Mm. pros is that um i can i've said this on the podcast before a couple of times i think but i can market any book anytime yeah so if betsy blake is just having a sluggy time for me and i think oh well i'll you know i'll i'll get the america books out there or my trial books or midday or any of my other books like i can market anything at any time and funny enough it, it tends to work seasonally i I have a book called The Curious Case of Fate and Grace, which is about these two sort of twins. You don't know whether they're evil or not evil. And and because... Always the light topics with you, Always isn't it? light always. with me, yes. Always <laughs> comedy. Um, and because they're sort of two twins, like the twins in The Shining is the front cover of that book, and I market it that yeah. way, that it's almost psychological horror rather than a, a thriller. Yeah, it's creepy as hell. It's a bit creepy, yeah. That book, <laughs> leading up to Halloween, it sells like hotcakes. So yeah. I'm always running it's September. Spooky Oct- children are spooky, though. Spooky children, yeah. September, October, up to Halloween. I market that book, and, it, and it, it really sells. So, yeah, that pro of being able to market any book, any time, individually. Um, artistically, yeah. as I said, it's nice to build new worlds. Um, it's also, this is, a, this is a pro of writing in standalones. It's easier to get a break in bookstores. You know what I mean? Yeah. If somebody wanted to stock the Sam Pope books, they're looking at 10 or 11 books now. You know what I mean? Whereas if they just liked one of mine in the middle of middle America, for example, they would just buy that in. Yeah. And so it's slightly easier to get a break in bookstores like that. Um, and I, I tend to see uh, 
my one of my books being shared around social media a lot people will say oh try this one try this one i'm sure that could happen in series as well but I, it, it's weird it's interesting that it's different books for different social media groups but uh, that's it'd be what the question is isn't it? i'm looking for a new series to read yes that's when mine might get mentioned whereas if someone's just saying oh i'm going on holiday i'm looking for a new book what should i read you're more likely to get thrown into that than oh yeah pick up book one of this 12 book series exactly exactly yeah um yeah um yeah so uh, uh, that's not to say it's all pros there are cons as well to that so there's a full stop at the end of each of my books as i said yeah so there's no tease into the next one so nobody Mm. is finishing one of my books and going what's going to happen next i gotta get the next i gotta get the next david (laughs) b lines book that doesn't happen and i that's totally understandable that it doesn't happen because i'm one of those consumers i read standalones and just because i read 19 minutes by jody picolt and i finish and i go wow that was really impressive i'm not necessarily running out to get her next one because i haven't been teased into it whereas Mm. you writing in series you're constantly teasing and everything leads up um there's there's a there's a big incentive to buy the next and then buy the next and then buy the next whereas when you're selling one book there is a chance you're actually selling 10 isn't there up yeah, that's that's the, the pretty much basis problem. of my. That's like the basis of my whole business, really. Yeah. Um, while while we're talking, I mean, you've just given a fascinating look at how you, you know, your mind works for, around the uh, standalone concept. Yeah, the one I saw because, like I said, I, I I have a standalone book. They, they, obviously, it's not built my career off of it. Um, I think it's. If you knock a standalone out of the park, I think it can explode harder than a series can. Maybe that yes. makes sense because yeah. I think a standalone book getting a lot of popularity has more appeal to way more people than a, a, a popular series in a certain genre. Yes. So if I use myself as an example, as someone who who reads, you know, I'm a very action thriller um, or like post apocalyptic. I'm that kind of reader. Um, yeah. Now, I've read Gone Girl, mm-hmm. you know, and I've read The Martian. Yeah, um, all these great standalones. Books, yeah, because they're they're these massive standalone books that become so big, and they're not really in my genre. I don't really read space drama. I don't really read space fiction. I, I don't usually read like Missing um, Woman, Missing Women, psychological. Yeah. I don't read those things, but they had such a buzz about them. Yeah, that I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to read these. But at the same time, like, I think I wouldn't go and read Game of Thrones. Yeah. Because that's not my genre either. But I'm like, oh, that's a lot of books. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think I think that's, for me, if you have a standalone that can hit that hype, you will hit way more people. Like I said, you could become the perfect beach read or the perfect summer read more that's than true. someone writing a series. And I think that's... That's kind of, and I think you sort of had that with Betsy Blake. Yeah, that's what happened. That really is what exploded my writing career. Really, was it? It, it became a standalone book that a lot of people were buzzing about, and it got exactly. a lot of traction and a lot of shares, and it kind of went viral. Um, so yeah, it, it it can happen that way in standalones. But you're right; it's people can be recommend me a book, and they can recommend a standalone. But people are out there saying recommend me a series, and. Mm-hmm. The great thing about writing in series is that we really can base our business and our income off what we call sharks. And sharks are people that just buy up 
they buy loads, they download book after book after book. They're reading a book a day and, and they're going after it. And they're likely to be in KU, which is, you know, Kindle Unlimited, the subscription model with Amazon. And guys and girls who write like you do, Robin Series, they can make a huge, huge career mm-hmm. off these sharks, which is what you guys mm-hmm. do. So there are we've just discussed some pros of writing in standalones. What about the pros of writing in series? That's got to be a big one, right? These sharks are, yeah, you know, they're giving you well, your money. You're, they're paying your mortgage. Well, you, you touched upon it. There is, is that you have a full stop at the end of your book. I don't, mm-hmm. I kind of have like an, a three dots, dot, dot, dot. An ellipsis. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I um, love it. I have, well, this is what's coming. Yes. Um, and I, I always did that in mind, not with, Let's see if I can articulate this well. I'm supposed to be a writer. Not with the person who's <laughs> buying the latest book, but I did that in mind with the people who join the series when there's already like seven books in. And yes. they start at book one. And there's a tease at the end of, sort of, well, sort of a tease, or there's always like a, either a fist-pumping moment or, or a tease for the setup for the next book. Yeah. That makes you go, oh, I can't, yeah. And if you were reading it as the book was released, you go, Oh, I can't wait for the next one. Whereas if you're joining the series and there's seven or eight books and you get to the end of book four and it teases something big for book five and you go, Oh, and like you said, you're in KU, boom, you're downloading that straight away and the page reads and running in. Yeah. So for me, that's a massive pro of, of, um, <coughs> of write of writing in a series. Yeah. It's huge. The read through is yeah. so much slicker, isn't it? Well, that, we did that, uh, episode six, The Numbers That Matter, yes. um, which we did. So go check that one out because I went really into depth in this. I basically yeah. built my business off of that. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea that I know I can hook people in because I know I'm a good enough writer. The character's good enough. I've got all the social proof. But that is the thing is, is it's I can now effectively know I'm selling someone eleven book an 11 book series. Yes. So that's a huge, huge, huge pro of it. Yeah, it's um, awesome. the other the other one is is there's I probably have significant less pressure on releasing a book than maybe yeah. say you do. Mm-hmm. Um because I already know I I already know roughly how much each book's worth per yeah. year. Um and that just you know, and that will keep growing the more I market and the more books I release because I've already cultivated that readership. There's a, there's a fan base for Sam Pope. It's, it's wonderful. It's amazing. Like uh, my friends find it hysterical. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but it means, you know, I'm releasing a book next week. Like I said, I already know it's just going to fall seamlessly into the other ones and pick up sales and page reads as much as the other ones have. I've got 10 other books that prove that theory to me. Whereas, yeah. you know, you've come up with this whole new concept. Yeah. Um, and it's fresh for like, everybody, for me, for every potential well, you reader. You spoke about it. You've spoke about it really honestly on the podcast, like the amount of stuff you kind of went through mentally writing your America trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah, big risk going. as well. Mm-hmm. It was a heavy going book to undertake. And at the same time, it was in a country you're not from. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, based on 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 characters and, and different things and different time periods, it was such a big thing to do. But, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't reach as far as that with a series. Yeah. What I do is I, I can't have a cool action concept. I can't have like four or five really good action series. And then I write, I, I put my very well-developed characters around it. Yeah. In fact, and that's the pro. Like it's, it's, it's less risk. It's risk averse. I feel right. Yeah. But plus a big pro there is it, it, you, you, 
wrote a book in eight weeks, didn't you, in November there last year? Was it even less than eight weeks? I did it. You managed to um, get your first draft down. I did 60,000 words in NaNoWriMo, but that was book yeah. 10. Nine or 10, 10, was it? The one it that came out in 10. January. It was, it was book 10 yeah. of, um, yeah, book 10 of Sandpipe. But the thing is, is that's 10, you know, books in all the characters are developed i don't need to yeah, think I, of how will sam do that i know exactly what he'll do like yeah I, and I you know the voice down. and the tone everything is already set and so the, you can, and you can like write quicker pattern. in yeah. series than you can writing a standalone absolutely and, and the and the other pro the other big pro i can also say is is i i, I have someone who a, a villain who got away in book two comes back in book nine, but it's teased at the end of book eight. That's my hook Great, for yes. getting them to get book nine is, oh, crap, this person's back for revenge. Yeah. But then like the book 11 that I'm launching next week is basically a follow-on from the novella that I've released that people get by signing up. Ah, of, like, yeah. What, what actually happened to cause that novella to happen like 12 years on. Yeah. And then at the end of this book that was coming out next week, there's a huge tease for something that happened in book five, that'll make book 12 people will want, will definitely want to get. Yeah. So being able to have those characters, the amount of times I, I don't plan to do it, but I think that's a cool character. I won't kill them off. Yeah. Well, it makes it, actually, it makes it fresh for the reader down. and it makes it fresh for you. And it's something I appreciate in TV shows or in books, yeah. like callbacks, things like that, I think are massive. Yeah. Um, but it also links to one of the biggest cons. And I mentioned it earlier is I don't get to, vary up my writing as much as say you do like you can tackle right. courtrooms you can tackle this in live time yeah you can tackle american um, tv american yeah. media across a time sphere which probably yeah. requires a lot more creative thinking and a lot more um like research and probably more yeah it did more take 18 months things. to round those books off yeah whereas in 18 months you could you could have written seven books right yeah, and, 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 yeah and but, at the, but at the same time it's you're you're doing when we circle it back that this is an art form yes like you're pushing yourself which is why i'm aching to write a bit of bermuda because bermuda's this weird world and you know monsters and it's a bit more humor in it and things like that and yeah and i i feel like i'd like a change of pace yes. so there are those things to consider as well yeah, of course, one of the big, big pros then, obviously, for you writing in standalone, Robert, is that the marketing is slightly sim simplified, isn't it? Because what yeah. you're constantly doing is arrowing towards book one. Everything is book one. Let's get people reading book one, and then they will go to two, three, four, five, six, and beyond. Yes. So uh, although I can advertise any book any time, really, your marketing is it, it, it's so confined to just get an ad that's working and turn it up. Well, that's, that's what I have done. Yeah. That's, that's, how, that's how, that's how I went full time. Yeah. Was I eventually got, got the ad. Um, and I've developed similar ones that look just as good and they're now performing well. But yeah, I only advertise for the first book because why would I send somebody to the second or third? So it makes yeah. that side of things, um, a lot simpler Simple. it yeah. also makes it a bit more fragile as well because if i can't get those ads to work i can't get eyes on my series luckily exactly, i'm out of position yeah. you know i'm out of position with all the reviews and all the books but for somebody starting out that is a really key bit if you're writing in a series yeah yeah you want to make sure 
you're 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 at least pulling eyes to the first one whereas yeah. like so for you you can, again it goes back to you can be as creative as you want with your ads because you can pick you can pick and choose a book yeah i want to give this one a little kick up the arse i'll do that like yeah. you know so absolutely yeah um, again I, I i would say it's a bit more risk averse as well and also like things like book bub deals all those things they make more sense to me if you have a series yeah you know, and i only i only focus on either the first or maybe the second book um to get book bubs for and the third and then i'll reduce the ones before it down to 99p as well so you just get loads of people in but yeah. you know I, I i go oh i got a book bub oh, he kind of made its money back but i also but know then, you know probably then yeah, so yeah the read through is coming because every sale is worth 15 quid 20 quid or whatever so yeah so that's the market it's really simple for you i know for a fact yours is so up and down sometimes yeah. you're absolutely flying yes other times you're you're telling me it's sort of gone to hell yeah so, yeah um, how do you approach it because that must that must be for me that would be the biggest anxiety yeah that's interesting that you say that because your sales are on a steady incline constantly where mm. um so if you think of a graph roberts is like a diagonal um yeah heading from left to right going upwards slightly every day whereas mine is like a load of w's and m's my like graph. mountain range yeah it's like a mountain range it's like the alps i could i could bring in turkey grand in one month mm. and then i could bring in three grand two months later yeah. and it, it, it it's it's up and down constantly uh, my ads are either firing and i'm on fire i'm hot or they can cool down and very often they cool down and you're right the anxiety um plays a part in that they're, they're mounted the amount of times over the past four years i thought i've lost it we're gone here wow. I've, I, the bubble has burst uh, i'm done and then the next month suddenly you go yep. you're flying again so something catches fire in my marketing and it, you know it just takes a blaze and then eventually it will cool down and 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 I will get worried again until the next big month, and then I'm excited again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it it's understandable. We've discussed this now for the last twenty minutes. It's understandable why this is a debate and a discussion amongst authors, and particularly when you look at the top. If we take, if you take the top authors in the world, your um, Stephen Kings or whatever, like a lot of them write in standalone, and it's understandable that when they release a book, it's a brand new story and a new world for all, uh, readers to enter. But in modern times, given the subscription model and the, the fact that Kindle and eBooks are, are so getting as prominent as buying paperbacks and hardbacks. Now, if you look at the top range of independent authors, um, such as, you know, Mark Dawson or Louise Ross, LJ Ross, they're writing in series. They're, uh-huh. They are getting people to the first book and writing such a good first book that, you know, they're going to buy the next 8, 10, 12 books that these guys have out. So, you know, there is proof of authors, uh, where we are proof of it, the two in the orders, that you can write in either discipline, standalone or series, and still make a big success of it. I, but I think what's most wise, and we touched on this at the top of this discussion, was... Write what you consume. That's yeah. that's that's good enough advice, isn't it, Robert? Because you have to enjoy writing the books. Yeah, if you don't enjoy it, it becomes a job, and you don't ever want to lose that uh, passion for it. But what you're saying there is is so spot on. 
And if there, I'm saying you said like more in the modern generation, like with Kindles and Kindle Unlimited, like this, not just that, just in all of media, it's now like a content generation, isn't it? People just yes. consume content as much as they can. Yeah, they call it the um, on-demand generation. Yeah, yeah, you go. I, I always say Netflix generation, is it? So yeah. I want it there, available. Let me click, let me watch all of it. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, it's always worth, but again, if you've got loads of standalones, people can access them. But like you said, when you've got a full stop, you're not yeah. telling them, here's what you might also want. Whereas if it's a series, it's saying, right, next in, your next episode is available. Yeah. Um, but again, there's 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 so many examples. You're a great example of people who are able to write standalones and still hit an unbelievable level of success with it. Yeah. So. Again, I think, yeah, if you can write the genres you like to write in, I don't think you should ever compromise that and also write in the way you consume books as well. And I think you'll be golden. I don't think we can give better advice than that. David, it's time for the mailbag. Another mailbag for you. Right. Yeah, I like that. I'm having there some of that. I'm having some of that. <laughs> uh, so this week's question in our mailbag is sent in by Emelda Swainson. Thanks, Emelda. Um, so thank you, Emelda. It's always appreciated. And she says, people keep saying that I must get my books recorded as audiobooks, but the price to do so is beyond my reach. Is it really worth it to pay over £1,000 to have my audiobook produced? When am I likely to see that money back? Thank you. I'll oh, pass it to you. Yes, Amel, that's a really good question. I'm sure it's one a lot of our uh, listeners are asking themselves and have been over the past months. Oh, I mean, this might answer your. I might answer your question in one sentence here. Audiobooks are the fastest growing mm-hmm. platform or um, way to um, way readers are consuming books at the moment. We call them readers, but they're listeners, aren't they? I guess if they're listening mm-hmm. to audiobooks, but it's the fastest growing way okay the fastest growing platform is is audiobooks there's no doubt about that again this is another area that rob and i have taken detours in we've just discussed the fact that he writes in series and i write in standalones robert has taken a different route to audiobooks than i have taken so i've actually been approached by companies to produce my audiobooks and so i get paid a healthy advance from them and the truth is, I'm not sure if I'm going to see any more money than that advance. Uh, I got $9,000 for um, three of my books, the trial books last mm-hmm. year. And then I got £6,000 um, a few months ago from another audiobook company to produce my America books. So they're working on that. I'm not sure I'm going to see much more than those advances I've give, I've got, to be honest with you. Rob will fill you in on, on how he does it. He does it more independently. Yeah. Um, so you can, if, if your £1,000 is too much for you, Imelda, you can approach companies to see if they would be interested in, you know, producing your books in audiobook form. I you may get a healthy advance like I did. You'd probably have to have the social proof and the sales to back it up like I had. But um, it's one way of you not spending money yeah. and just getting money. But if you do invest in yourself and this £1,000 to have your audio book uh, narrated, well, then every penny that's earned thereafter goes to you. And I think, Rob, you'll be able to tell Imelda a bit more about that. That's been your experience, hasn't it? 
Yeah, it has been. Absolutely. Um, Another way you can do it is on ACX, which is the Amazon audiobook platform. It's like the KDP of their audiobook world. Yeah. Um, You can do like a royalty share scheme, which is where they... So you you audition readers for your book through this platform. Yeah. Um, And then if you find the one you like, they'll have an hourly rate. And it's always worth remembering the reason why the cost is so high is because of all the other work they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you want to know more about what a audiobook narrator does check out our episode with lee beddo who's done all of mine i think it's it's back uh, episode 14 ish or maybe like episode nine it's one of those two numbers yeah um but we had an audiobook narrator on the show to, to discuss all of that so um but what you can do through this royalty share scheme is you can have them do the audiobook you don't pay them up front but then they they take a percentage of the royalties as well yeah yeah. So obviously it, it, it will reduce your income over the long term, but it will mean your cost up front are non-existent. So that's always worth um, thinking about. Absolutely. Lots, David, of, lots of authors do that, yeah. Yeah, lots of authors do do that. I didn't do that. Um, I had a bit of a, a journey into it. I went through Findaway <coughs> at first and their scheme on how to bet. Uh, get patched up with someone and you can pay in like installments. They did a really good job in my audio book and then it didn't sell. And I wondered why. And the reason why it didn't sell is because the other books weren't done as well. So it's worth always remembering if you have a six book series and you get the first book done in the audio book, don't expect that to sell because it's the same thing as they'll go, well, why would I buy that if the rest of them aren't available? Yeah. And it goes back to what we said before about people want to consume the content so I always make sure, like, poor Lee, I've got him booked in for, like, two more books <laughs> already. <laughs> because, but I just, like, as soon as my book is ready and yes. it's finished, I send it to Lee and say, book me in as soon as you can. You want to get it produced, yes. Because I want that produced, I want it in. Now, you have to take into consideration when I give you these figures, you know, I've got nine books, three book, uh, three audio book box sets, and two novellas all done in... Um, audio for sam pope and i've spent on that i've probably spent about 10 to 10 to eleven thousand pounds right maybe a bit more maybe 12 i haven't got the exact figures here but i don't market them in any way i just send people to my books if they're an audiobook fan they'll download it that's yeah. that's how i see it but now the books are bringing in probably anywhere between 15 to 1500 to three grand a month your audiobooks yeah oh well that's huge yes so so it's taken a lot of investment that's only been over the last few months before that it'd probably be roughly around again seven to eight hundred pounds a month which is still nothing to sniff at especially yeah. over like a couple of years it well, does pay itself up. back yeah but it took a few years and it took getting all of them done to get to this point so it definitely is a long-term investment but again if you're in a position where you're selling books consistently then those books will sell consistently as audiobooks rob you know this is my favorite part of the show don't you i do well when we first conceived the idea for this back in i think it was around august last year Hmm. i had a dream list of guests to have on oh yeah well, I got one on today, right? Fantastic. Is it me? It's not you. Oh. Queeve McDonald. Queeve 
Thank you so much for giving up your time this morning. You're, you're very well. I'll be honest, I've never been somebody's dream before. Dream, dream bigger, my friend. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it was more of a daydream. Yeah, I mean, a, a passing fancy I've been once or twice in my life, and those are big days for me. Never been even a daydream, yeah. so this is still a big day. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> passing fancy that's probably what it was I probably should have introduced it that way yeah. <laughs> Quiv thanks Emil uh, you're a star for joining us um, you, you write on is it two you write under two names your own name I write under all my indie stuff is under Quiv and then all my traditional stuff is under CK uh, mainly because publishers are terrified of the word Quiv um, so. right yes yeah <laughs> Yes, they didn't. They didn't want to go near that. No, they didn't want to touch that with a barge pole. Uh, we should. We should just tell our listeners that Queeve is spelled C A I M H. Yes, which will only confuse just, them. Just, <laughs> yes, com- confuse them even more. But that, that's Con- the way we do it. Confused me. <laughs> confused me. But quite a lot does. To be <laughs> it fair, it confused so. me earlier on as well. I have to say, and I'm bloody Irish, so yeah. You know, uh, you had I'll, no I'll excuse. With, you had no excuse. Yeah, I had no excuse. Yeah, I'll cringe <laughs> with that one for a while. But um, yes, that's Queeve and CK McDonald. Mm-hmm. And you write um, in series, you write, it's a Stranger Time series, which has been a big hit. The Dublin Trilogy has been a massive hit. Yeah, they're sort of, the, they're kind of the bunny books are all the indie books. Well, the bunny and related, he's my main character. So yeah, they started off with the Dublin Trilogy, which now has seven books in it, um, which is, you know, classic marketing. And uh, then yes. the, Stranger, the Stranger Times is that they're sort of comedic, sort of comedy crime, I guess, vaguely. And then um, yeah. the Stranger Times are set in Manchester and they're sort of paranormal uh, kind of comedy crime sort of thing. A bit like Rivers of yeah. London is get compared to a lot and Terry Pratchett gets mentioned quite a bit as well in reviews. But yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. Brilliant. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't like really to uh, pass comment on the craft, but any listener... Um, looking to learn about the craft of voice, uh, Queeve, you nail it in your prose. It's just a great voice. Really incredible. Oh, well, thank you. It's what, it really is what makes them stand out. That and, and the amazing branding, of course, that you came up with with, with these covers. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, the voice thing, I guess, is sort of you, you develop it over time, but I guess it's just naturally there because I sort of, it's just in the way I write and I can, you know, it's not that you always have to be funny, but it's certainly in the, it's in the bag. And because my, my yeah. background is, I was a stand-up comedian and I wrote for TV and comedy areas and stuff. So I have a lot of background in that. Um, yeah. So it's just sort of second. Like I get asked all the time about advice on how to write funny. And my advice on how to write funny is honestly, it's really, it's basically a lot of it. There's some technical stuff, but it is fundamentally in you. It's, it's just the nature of you're, you're used to thinking that way. It's how my brain works. Like I, my big yeah. thing is that people always, I always say comedy is not a genre. And I really feel strongly about that. Comedy mm-hmm. is a style. It's how you. Right. It's the way you get from A to B. But the important thing mm. is your the story defines the genre. Comedy is just a way of telling it. Um, but yeah, yeah it, brilliant. Yeah, so well said. Yeah, it's it's the it's the skill. It's the art, isn't it? The comedy rather than an actual genre. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 it comes down to voice, as you said. It is it's the way you say something. So the point where someone can take yeah. like the whole layout of one of my because I've I've a just off screen here. I have a pin board. I put all my scenes up on on cards and everything. And there's never in those, there is literally never on that anything that you would see as funny. Um, it's yeah. all about this happens and this happens and this happens. And then it's just nice. how my brain works when I'm sitting down writing stuff is what makes the, the what a lot of people think is funny part of it. By all means, not everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely me. But we know you can do funny. But can you do serious? Because these seven questions are serious. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, dead, I'm a deadly serious person, my friend. 
<laughs> okay, well, Rob, are we ready to hit uh, Queeve with the seven questions? We are. Come on, Queeve. Let's make David's dreams come true. Um, <laughs> My passing fancy. Yeah, yes. His passing fancy yeah. come true. Um, so I will go uh, with question number one. Uh, is are you a full-time author? Yes, I've been, I think we was a full-time since 2019 when I gave up stand-up. I was kind of sort of mostly full-time before that, probably for about a year before that as well. But then I officially retired from stand-up in 2019. And since then, it's just been the right. Great. Wow. So, um, yeah, is it is it three separate series that you were saying to us, Queen? Basically, well, technically, it's four. There's a Stranger Times, which is once a year because it's on the traditional model. And the bunny books are kind of as and when, but there's, they're, they're, <laughs> it's quite confusing where I have the Dublin trilogy, which was supposed to be three books, surprisingly enough. Then I did a prequel. I realized the fourth book was really two books, did a prequel and then another book. And what I've since done is I've done... Um, sequels to the prequel because they happened 16 years before the other ones so it sort of branched off into this ah, big brilliant. period about 15 years of bunny's thing but then my main character goes to america so there's three of those book mcgarry stateside which is a different series and then there's a series called um, mcm investigations which is basically everybody else from the dublin trilogy who are still in dublin and what's happening to them so it ended up being ah. i have a cr- tremendously complicated tree for people to follow uh, which is not ideal but it's where it's where i wrote so Genius, Queen. That's that's pretty impressive. <laughs> it's it really it is. is incredibly complicated for people. We do get. I have to do a video actually to explain it to people because we were saying we get, because we get a lot of questions. But I basically it's because I write what I want basically fundamentally. Yeah. yeah. And because of that, I didn't um, do it in series as I should have done. As the, the popular thing is, yeah. yeah. But, you know. But but what you what you have allowed yourself to do is by allowing that you could you get an inbuilt fan base for for your books and then you can sort of spin off into other ones. You've already got that inbuilt fan base that will have that interest in that immediately. Oh yeah, and we're we're very lucky. We've got a very loyal fan base that sort of follow us around. All there's a lot of people who've read all the books, and there's quite a lot of them now. Um, and they're they're sort of and they've also even followed it into the a lot of them followed into the the. Um, Stranger Times, which is paranormal stuff, because it's one of those things where paranormal readers will go into crime a lot easier than crime readers will typically go yeah. into paranormal because some people just won't make yeah. that leap. Um, but yeah. I mean, that's why we are hybrid is because we wanted to be have a foot in both camps and it is kind of working for us. Um, there's obviously, as you won't notice, frustrations of being trad published because we're used to being nimble and indie and all that. But there, there yeah. are upsides for why we did it and there's good reasons for doing it. But um yeah, it's, it's quite handy then that you can get people coming both directions to, from one books to the other. So it's great when you have yeah. that following, they will follow you everywhere, which has been fantastic. Brilliant. Um, so let's try and get under the hood a little bit with um, the decisions you make in your indie, um, the indie part of your career. Mm-hmm. Do, do you choose to, uh, this is question number two in the seven questions, do you choose to go wide or exclusive with your ebooks? Uh, my ebooks are exclusive, my audiobooks are wide. Um, yeah. is where we're at. Yeah, so they're all yeah exclusive in KU and Brilliant. all that. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, right decision. Uh, and it, it can be different decisions for different people, but having your audiobooks wide is a winner. I think. Yeah, it's. I mean, to be honest, I'm. I find Audible immensely frustrating because. Um, I think this might come up when you're asking about things that annoy you, but but it's the the percentages are ludicrous because they were made up ten years ago when delivering an audiobook was a big deal because of the size of the file. Whereas the reality is now it's nothing. So it should be the same as frankly as Kindle or very close to it. Um, and the fact that it isn't really some government somewhere needs to point out that's that's an unfair business practice because yeah. it clearly is. Um 
And uh, yeah, so we, we've gone. And the great thing about being wide is we have our own shop um, and we have that not sign books. We're actually thinking of stopping doing that because it's more to do with the, the, the postal service in Britain. Like it's just been a nightmare. The amount yeah. of stuff that gets lost. We had incredibly somebody bought three books. We had them deliver one like they were all in the same package. They had ripped the thing open <laughs> and then they just handed someone a plastic bag with oh, one book wow. in it. And they even sent us a picture and they're like, oh, did you send us one book? And we're like, no, we sent you three. Um, so, <laughs> and not in a bag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had a nightmare with the British postal system as well, sending out books. Yeah, yeah I think a... there's a lot of stuff with delivery. To be honest, we're, we're thinking of kind of knocking the sign books thing in a header, maybe doing it for like a couple of months a year because people are always asking. So we said we might do it around Christmas for a couple of months and just do a big batch of right. them. Right. But the great thing with the shop is having your audiobooks on there um, has been fantastic ah. for us. And that's a really, if you can do that, because you can do it with your book funnel, who are amazing. Um, and we, it's one of those things where there is that convincing people to use a different piece of software is tricky because they'll go, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I use a lot of, I don't want to use something else. Um, and so what we've actually done is um, we put out the audiobooks on our own thing sort of like a month to six weeks before they go on Audible. And ah. it's encouraged quite a few people across. And we've actually, and we've been very open with them. We said, look, they're going to be cheaper on our shop than they are on Audible than your credit will be because we can get most of the money from this. And we've been very honest that, look, if you want to support us, um, the best single thing you can do is buy the audiobook from us because that's where we get the most money of any format. And we're very, nice and, and our, our, we've got readers who are very sort of loyal. So we just, I mean, literally, I think the best way to be with these things is be honest and say, this is why we're doing it this way. Um, it makes yeah. you know we're running the business it makes perfect sense it's good for you it's good for us and a lot of people have come across still sell a lot on audible and all that which is you know great in its own right it's still a big earner for us but um having your own shop and that control has been fantastic and i highly recommend that to people if you've got your own audiobooks well rob's just set up his in the past week and i i'm mm. it's something on my to-do list but it's been there a while mm. yeah absolutely um that's fantastic advice there thank you Creed. yeah um we can move on to question three now. And you've mentioned one of the services that's popped up before and answers for this question in Book Funnel. But question three is: name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without. Uh, I mentioned this to the missus because my missus, the missus, runs the company basically, and uh, oh, I was where her thing was, and she went Vellum. Um, we, we've always liked Vellum, and Vellum is Book yeah. Funnel are great. But as I already mentioned, I'm a big, big fan. It's one of those things where um, they literally come around. The, f- the fee comes around once a year. And I'm there, I'm just del- happy to pay. Every time it comes up, I honestly put myself in the wife of conversation when book funnels worth way more than we're paying for it because they do such more good work for us. Yeah. And similarly with Vellum, um, we just I know there's other things that can do it, but the great thing with Vellum is it's very intuitive. You go in, it takes two minutes, you format the book and it looks great. And there's there's, there's so much to be said for that. Yeah, there really is. It re- it makes such a difficult job so easy. In fact, so much so when we were setting up these seven questions, Grieve, myself and Rob taught, everybody's going to say Vellum. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'll always be Vellum. It'll probably most likely be Vellum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's such a great tool. It really is. Um, so you mentioned Book Funnel. This will probably um, be a, uh, turn up in your next answer. Uh, question four is, how do you market your books? Uh, to be honest, um, weirdly, we sort of, it's not that we don't spend, we, we kind of have we Amazon ads that have frankly been running for a few years that are sort of set there. And most of it is actually aiming at ourselves um, because just to kind of 
control the space because otherwise people look at your name and there's you end up with like 10 different books coming up that aren't yours um and especially if people can't spell your name which happens to me quite a lot i end up putting up some adverts i think on variations (laughs) of the spelling i've not tested it but i know we've done that at some point so yeah we kind of that uh, we have facebook ads running and they're sort of kind of low level facebook ads running but honestly the main sort of gist of our our marketing is um we have a good mailing list and we sort of have a, we're very lucky where we have a fan base that are very, they tell people, they, they, they do the word of mouth thing. Um, and actually, weirdly, we take a much more organic approach where what we spend the most time on is I do a monthly newsletter out. We get a lot of responses. And um, my wife, which literally I gave her the title Wonder Wife years ago. So people send emails and they now understand that Wonder Wife is the one who reads them and answers them and stuff. But we have that right. kind of so we end up with those sort of people. And it's not done deliberately as a marketing thing. It was just naturally how it worked out. But they end up being the best advertising you'll ever have. It's like <clears> the <throat> David Gochran thing about super fans. We yeah. and we've done. You sort of. I've read. I love Dave's work, and I love. He's a great bloke, and his his advice is brilliant. I, I think he's he's the person I always recommend to people. But yeah, the kind of super fan thing is something we actually kind of fell into doing just by the way we ran it naturally and responding to emails and doing email doing our email newsletter, and yeah, that's kind of thing. And so we do spend some money on marketing and stuff, and we are looking at frankly doing some more stuff. Um, but because my books don't really fit into really obvious genres, and we don't hit really obvious things facebook's yeah. always been tricky because of that because you don't really know who to aim at who to narrow yeah, yeah. And, and amazon ads were great for a while but they're kind of now just running on automatic that we've just left them there so we don't but we don't spend a lot of time actively marketing if i'm honest interesting so what do you use book funnels for is that the giveaway yeah that's um, a big part we have giveaways on there yeah freebies yeah, right, so we've yes. got freebies if you join our mailing list you get a short story collection that we actually did mm. We had a freebie and we've actually done it now, which is, I, I think this is a good tip as well. Um, we put a paperback version of it available because some people just don't do email. And so if there is these short stories, the paperbacks actually sold pretty well over time. But the main reason for doing that is you can go to people going, uh, there's this book that's like, what, seven ninety nine, eight ninety nine. I'm not sure how much it even is now, but you can join my main list and get the ebook for free. Um, and so people do that. We've even done that. We've had um, free short stories. You got our brilliant narrator Morgan, uh, who's the voice you'd recognise, David. The two guys who narrate my book actually. What did, Brendan did your first book when you were back in the day? Uh, yes, when I was traditionally published. Yeah, yeah he does. Yeah, he does he the Stranger did, he did Times books, um, which he's done. He's right. done incredible work on them. The reviews in them are amazing. I mean, his reviews are that good; they're annoying. Um, that's that, yeah. and Morgan similarly is. Morgan's the best <laughs> voiceover guy in Ireland to the point where, um, basically, every time I go home, he tries to sell me something else on the radio, um, and it's like. <laughs> All right. he, he's also he's in a he's in an ad uh, recently, and he was in like he pops up on lots of stuff because he does a lot of acting stuff as well. But he's great, and he's really really good. Expensive, frankly, which I don't think he minds me saying because he should be. Um, but yes. we kind of made the decision early doors to to try and go for the best standard we could, and everything we did. Um, yeah, and brilliant. then having you kind of get him to do like a short story. And that download, and we've also found since we have our own shop, having you can go to go go to shop and there's free download of this short story more narrated by Morgan, and it's not available anywhere else, and that incentivizes people to go to Book Funnels audio thing and download the audio app. And once they have the app, you're removing the barrier to them buying your books. Then, um, yes. So things like that again are sort of more in the ecosystem. 
that we have ourselves and, and you know just having people on your yeah. mailing list you can then do these things um, and we don't like our, my mail my mail outs i'd say i don't even sell stuff a lot of the time in them i think that that's the key thing is to be genuine with people and then when you have something out be genuinely excited about it tell them about it and they respond to that yeah brilliant it's fantastic fantastic system it's, a, it's almost like a super fan system isn't it you 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 once they're involved they're involved yeah and they sort of gives them a chance to i mean and i was always very wary about emailing people i think lots of people are about this thing about oh i don't want to be emailing bothering yeah. people and stuff yeah. and then david gockard again mm. had a great post about how he never liked emailing people and then he realized that actually if you just email people when you have something out that feels very commercial and whereas you actually just do like the monthly email um it builds yeah. a relationship and people want the opportunity to be fans of stuff like genuinely they yes. want to like you know i used back in my day i supported them um, i suppose the biggest name people would know is sarah millican who's, who's a mate of mine on tour i supported her a lot and she's great yeah and she has oh, cool. she has her main list by the way she started off her main list with the same fundamental advice about write to people like they're a friend you haven't seen in a while all this kind of stuff. And her mail list started off right. with, you know, four people in, for her first Edinburgh. And she's now, I mean, I think it's somewhere up nearly a million, possibly even more. Her mail list is, wow. is massive. Um, and it's just, and she sends out the same email where she just has a bit of fun with people, says something fun, then just updates them on stuff. Um, and the numbers are incredible. The people who, because she just follows the same since, since, um, sort of system with it. Um, so yeah, I think if you if you follow those simple principles, which um, Tammy Lebrecht and her book on, on newsletter ninja is great, and then mm-hmm. the, um, sort of related to that is um, Gochran stuff. And those two things, I think, explain the principles of that kind of thing really well. And you have to just remember that people do. They either want to hear from you or they can unsubscribe and that's fine. I mean, people, you know, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I have a very high mail open rate and stuff, but people unsubscribe from my emails all the time and that's fine. And you just, you know, you yeah. just have to, don't, you don't worry about that. If you spend your life worrying yeah. about the people who don't, like in life, if you spend your time worrying about the people who don't love you as opposed to do, then you're never going to be happy. Worry about people who actually like you. And that's not just for books, Brilliant. that's for everything. That's wow. great advice. Great Unbelievable advice. advice. And, and it's great because we, we champion mailing lists all the time. And I think yeah, Cree, what, what you've just said there is is the, the hammer hitting the nail right on the head. So mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Um, <clears throat> question number five is, what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? Um I think genuinely, probably, I, I would have never called something a trilogy. <laughs> it's a really simple thing. But, <laughs> like we've we've sort of leaned into it now and, and made it a marketing thing. Like we've literally called it the increasingly inaccurately t- titled Dublin trilogy and the infuriatingly accurate, you know, because we've just had to. Um, yeah. But it's sort of, so it's sort of it can and again we're kind of lucky it where it sort of works with the brand. Where if they were very serious books, I think we'd be in trouble. But luckily, it yeah. has that element of a bit of bit of messing around in it, so we're okay with it. But yeah, I think yeah. think think things like that through is probably honestly probably the main thing I would I go back and tell myself. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's weird because you make a lot of you make a lot of missteps along the way, and that's just the, the nature of these things, especially when you're doing it yourself. And we've had like days yeah. where we've done oh, we put up a box set and we managed to somehow lose some chapters in one of the books, and we were mortified when somebody pointed it out to us and stuff. But the good thing ah. is, and it's a good thing about being indie, is if something goes wrong like that, you just you fix it fast. You be just sincerely apologize to anybody you can, and then you sort of just make sure you never repeat the mistake. As long as you're not repeating mistakes in this business, then I think you'll be fine. The trick is just never let yourself get never 
you know, make sure you learn from it every time something goes wrong because it inevitably will. Yeah, more great advice. Yeah, it really is. And it's all such a, a learning curve anyway that mistakes are inevitable and yeah. learning is inevitable. Especially in your first book and stuff like that. And your first, I can remember being just an a, a, a anxious wreck when books were coming out. And like now, I've now, including Trad, I think I've now published 16 books and 13 of them have been indie. And we were saying now, nice. myself and the missus were saying like for the last few, it's a weird thing where I actually forgot one morning we had a book coming out that day. Um, because <laughs> and a lot of that, to be fair, is my wife's now she gave up her job and she runs the business and um and we're very lucky where she comes from an editorial background in educational publishing and then she went and rechained in marketing so as people people get quite other words get quite annoyed with it. so your so your wife is a mixture of editing and marketing is like uh. yeah i accidentally married the perfect resource um <laughs> yes but yeah so it's a lot of it is, it's it's really handy for me that i i now have the luxury that she runs all of that she's taken over the business um Brilliant. and so i just concentrate on doing the bit i do um, you know, and obviously we're, you know, we do talk about all the stuff and plan things out together and things like that. But um, so much of it is so, is run so well by her now that it's kind of off my plate, which is phenomenal. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I do hope, though, that she doesn't come up as an answer in the next question, your lovely wife, <laughs> okay. which is, what is your biggest frustration okay. as an Indian no, author? No, no. <laughs> the other way around. God, yeah, but no, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my biggest frustration um i think honestly i would go back to the audible thing i mentioned it before but i find that i think the percentage is the 14 25 thing i i really hope i think the best bet yeah the bet without going to too much politics i know you and me agree on this the best bet for somebody sorting that out is going to be the eu um <laughs> yeah. but yeah because because it's just <laughs> clearly uh a, 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 you know and look i'm not anti-amazon in this you know because we've all look we're all indie authors we i, I thank them yeah. for a career but you just look at the yeah. audible side of it you think at some point i would hope they would have the sense to go we need to change this or else it's, it's it looks bad because it's hard to justify to anybody those percentages now the low royalties yeah like 25 percent and 40 percent where it clearly should be i would have it 50 or 60 at least because yeah. the size of the files just you know it doesn't it's no longer an issue and they own most yes. of the storage in the world literally amazon i believe at this point because they, they, they yeah. literally sell service space to massive companies so they have you know so let's let's i think let's play fair but i mean look i'm not anti-amazon by any means but um i do find oh, yeah 25 percent is ridiculous yeah it's just obscene and look we still make good money yeah. out of it and stuff but it, you just look at it it's just the principle of the thing um i think that's probably my main frustration. I mean, there's things like you can't get your books into shops and blah, blah, blah. But honestly, that's not that big a deal. Like we, the reason we went trad is we wanted to expand the areas we could go into. Um, and it's a weird thing where it's kind of the opposite to way a lot of people would think of this from outside of our world. We went trad because we, we kind of knew why we wanted to do it. We wanted to expand into different areas and get to places we couldn't get as an indie. But it was yeah. more like the trad was frankly buying the lottery ticket. Um, the indies, like, you know, I remember somebody, somebody, because we just moved house and somebody went, oh, you got your big publishing deal, they'll see you buy a house. And you're like, no, I'm an indie author. <laughs> the, indie author bought the, the indie author bought the house. The trad deal's paying for the office I'm currently sitting in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's nice that way. And I, I will say as well, I mean, you know, there are frustrations in traditional publishing and stuff, but if you come in as someone who's done well as an indie, um, it's been, I think like if you went the other way around and you did David, I think you'd find it a different experience because they, they frankly have to respect the fact that you've, you've done this and you know what you're doing. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, I've had fairly early doors. I, I, when I occasionally got, a, I got a, one time without saying what it was, I got a bullshit answer to a question. And I went, yeah, that's nonsense. Don't, don't, don't. And, then, and I sort of, then he went, oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, let's, yeah. don't, don't. I understand enough to not be told silly things. Yes. And generally they've been great. And like things like, you know, the PR and the press coverage and stuff we've had has been fantastic overall. And the PR got, you know, it's one of those things where you learn from these things. Um, but, you know, it's been useful. But again, it's one of these things where I think you don't have to be, I'm only trad or only indie. If you understand why you're doing something, and that's the really important yeah. thing, we've taken a business decision and it's working out well, despite the fact the first book came out in the middle of a lockdown, which to be fair is nobody's fault, but it did kind of, yeah. it's one of these things where it nobbles you from out the gate and we've had to sort of um, work through it and we're still working through it because um, just the way traditional publishing and bookshops work, they kind of go, oh, we've, we've got a spreadsheet somewhere that says the first book hasn't sold as well as the second or the third. And the reality is it sold, you know, much more than because it would do it's the first book but because people were getting it off amazon because the bookshops weren't open and stuff so you, yeah. it takes you a while but that's kind of the nature of publishing in britain where all the bookshops are frankly owned by the same company which isn't healthy but it's yeah. where we're at like i've been to germany doing events and stuff over there and it's amazing the difference because they aren't all big conglomerates they are lots of different shops and they have lots of indies yeah. just it's much and they also have this thing about that there's this price lock thing where you can't sell books below price because what really uh-huh. what really messed up publishing in Britain is um, the supermarkets got allowed to sell them at discounts, and all of a sudden all this yeah. stuff started going wrong, and that's why everyone else got sort of knocked out with the system. But my point is, yeah. for all the flaws in it and stuff, if you understand your why of doing it, um, and you know, and it's you know, you want to be careful. It's not just for. Um, ego reasons like you want you know i'm proud to be an indie i perfectly i think my big thing is i'm very proud to be an indie and i'm also proud of the fact that you can get one of my books read one of my books and have no idea that it wasn't done by traditional publishing um yeah to the point that we actually hire the line editor who did the trad books she was good and all the publishers have now made their line editors and stuff uh contractors and they hire them in so we went oh good ah. we can hire her um, and it was one of these things where I remember I asked them, can I have, her, yeah. can I have her email address because we'd like to hire her directly? And they were like, um, I can't think of a reason why we can't tell them that because she doesn't see yes. that on the payroll. <laughs> so we literally just hired the same woman because my, my wife thought she was very good and we wanted her. And even though the, the costs are high, we've always had this idea that, especially when we started selling books, that we would reinvest and we got the best narrator, we got the best editor. Um, and we always try to strive to have the very best product and, you know, the you know, spend money on covers and spend time on covers, which is almost as big a thing as money, really. But we've yeah. always had that idea of like, let's really set our bar high because, you know, we hope these books will be around for 15, 20 years and people will be buying them in 15 and 20 years. And you want to make sure that there's nothing you go, oh, I wish we'd done that differently. So, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. I have no idea where I ended up on that after the start, whatever this question start was, but that's where I ended up. The long game. <laughs> <laughs> but we appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. You've given some unbelievable advice in, in that answer. Although it was about your frustration. You kind of merged it into sensational advice, oh. um, yeah. which was very well done. So um, I will still ask the seventh question, um, but what is the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners? Uh, ooh. Oh, God. I mean, I've already sort of covered the mailing list, which is what I had in my head. Um, I think, you know, for a marketing thing and all that, yeah, a mailing list and stuff like that, it is worth absolutely doing that, as I've said previously. I think in general, though, 
be, you, you kind of hear this and it's one of these things that sort of people say a lot about comparing yourself. I would be very careful about comparing yourself because I think there's a yeah. lot of people that, especially there's certain groups and all this that say, oh, well, I'm, you got people, I'm writing a book a week. And you went, okay, well, good, good for you. And maybe that book is great. I mean, a lot of people, yeah. you know, think about writing fast is a lot of people can. I think there's a much smaller subset that can do it well. But I've seen like yeah. a lot of people who've written like halfway through their first book and they're making plans for these are the six books I'm going to write in the next year and all this. And you're thinking, especially when you're starting off, be kind to yourself and go, right, I'm going to write this book. I'm going to do the best job I can on this book. I'm going to learn lessons from writing this book. And then I will start on the next one. And it's one of these things that when you're a few books in, then you can go, okay, well, I can, I reckon I can do these many books and because I think a lot of people end up burning themselves out by trying to do too far, too fast, trying to do 20 books to whatever, just yeah. concentrate on doing, especially on their first couple, give yourself a break, let yourself enjoy the process, let yourself, because if you don't enjoy it, if it becomes a grind, then you're going to burn out and you're not going to enjoy it. And the book's going to suffer. Yeah. Um, so it's, what's the point if you're not enjoying yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm frankly, particularly what I write, I think is probably more, but, but if I'm hating the thing, it doesn't work. I have to, like, mm. and luckily I genuinely am excited to come and write in my office. And I really, and there's all these things, even many books I've written with the same character in it. I'm honestly more excited to write them now than ever. But that's because I find ways of enjoying the process. Like I had to mm. finish a book because we moved house and was all these things. And because the deadline, I ended up doing the a book in the shortest amount of time I've ever written a book, the longest book it ended up being by a couple of thousand words that I've ever written. And it was very intense where I was writing every day. And I ended up, I won't say the amount of time because then people will start comparing it and stuff. But it ended, it ended up being fast. It ended up being, for me, it was fast and intense. And the big thing after that was like, right, I'm now taking time off. And I had this leeway where I can go, right, I'm literally, my first week off is now. Uh, this is the only work I'm doing this week. And then, uh, and this is just chatting. And then, like next week and a week after, I probably don't do anything either, you know, because that's I sort of gave myself the leeway to just sort of relax. And when I'm going to start writing the next book is when I'm excited to start writing the next book. And that's somebody who's full time and it's my income. You have to have the ability to sort of manage yourself, to keep yourself in a happy mental place, because that's how you have a career and you don't burn out. Brilliant. Absolutely great advice, Quave. Really impressive. No worries. Yeah, absolutely. And congratulations on all the success in it. You you're really well, are question, one of the... the the beacons of, of uh, the indie publishing. Fantastic stuff. Um, thanks for giving us your time this morning. We really appreciate Bit it. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with you soon. We'd love to have you back on the show. Sure. And today, today, Cleve, you made David's dream come true, which is, <laughs> I mean, that is a reward in itself, isn't oh, it? So. That's, that's a Man United fan. That's how low their standards are now for trying to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> My passing fancy is no longer a Premier League title. It's just, yeah, just talking to Cleve for 20 minutes. Talk to Cleve for 20 minutes, avoid relegation, and just move on to be nice. Oh, thank Thank you so much, Queef. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, boys. Thanks, Emil. Well, David, your dream came true, didn't it? <laughs> you, you, you're smiling like a little Cheshire cat. Look at you. Thank you, Queef. <laughs> Great what to have him on the show. What a knowledgeable oh, he was guy. Yeah. So wonderful. And like I said, his. his uh, um, covers I've seen them everywhere they're, they're fantastic we always yeah. talk about going to see and look at people's branding but seriously look at his branding it is unbelievable yeah yeah it really is. They, they smack you in the face don't they his his book covers and um, you know he's been around the block 
him and his wife now running a very, very successful independent publishing business uh, with his great, great talent. And um, mm. they're just killing it. They're doing such a great job. Yeah, superb stuff. Um, obviously, if people want to join us for the seven questions, David, how can they do that? Um, they can visit uh, our Facebook group, which is the Two in the Authors podcast. Robert has pinned um, a sheet at the very top of that Facebook group, and you just have to fill it out. Just fill out your name and some contact details, and um, we'll be in touch with you, and we'd love to have you sit down and talk to us. Fantastic. David, before I let you go today, mm-hmm. what have you got on for the next week? Next week, I will be working on my, I should have that back from my editor, my novella. And so I'll be working on cleaning that up, getting it up on KDP mm-hmm. um, and Ingram Spark and just uh, um, all ready to to launch. I'm, I'm launching on May the 3rd, which is two weeks from when we are recording this podcast. So I'm just at that tail end. I, I like this part of the process. And I'll be getting that out there and planning some marketing in order to uh, drive my, because this is a second, we've been talking about series and standalones. I'm actually releasing a second, uh, a sequel book. But um, it's because my readers, my fans have really, really wanted to find out where this particular character has been since we left her from the original book, whatever happened to Betsy Blake. So it's this is really one for my already established fans. So I'm Mm -hmm. marketing heavily to them and it's just about, over the next week, I'll be refining exactly how I'll be doing that marketing. Uh, what about you? What have you got over the next seven days? Well, I am launching a book next week. So next week, I'll probably just focus on getting all my mailing list messages out, all my social media stuff scheduled, all that stuff. You know you know the drill, all the launch the stuff that we, we go through. Yes. Uh, we have another episode of that. I'll just send people back to that one. It's called Ready for Launch. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I'll just be going over that. And like I said, I, I'm I'm hammering through the latest sam pope book as well which i'm really enjoying so hopefully i'll get a few hours of doing that and lastly hopefully i'll be just you know counting all the five star reviews that'll be coming in for our podcast that our our wonderful listeners will do for us so before we go (laughs) i'm just going to ask our listeners once you finish listening to this please on whatever um platform you're listening to just pop a little five star rating against it it really help out the show so bye-bye Thanks. Dum, 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 dum.